Marketing Company podcast. My name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me, as always, is the lovely and talented and uh, newly crowned auto harp queen of the uh, Midwest, Priscilla McKinney. I know, right? I'm so excited. <laughs> now, for those of you who are going, what? Uh, allow me to explain. Uh, uh, Priscilla's birthday was a few weeks ago, and... Ironically, I was going back over and re-listening to some of the uh, older podcasts just because I'm I'm funny that way. And, and you're I, my biggest you're my biggest fan, apparently. <laughs> apparently so, yes. And uh, I I was going through the one where Priscilla said she had always wanted an auto harp, and so I I had heard that podcast and I went, oh my gosh, I got to look this stuff up. So in my normally obsessive mode, I jumped in and, and went on eBay and was looking at stuff, and I'm going. Well, they're not that expensive, and that was like the one thing that was holding you back from buying one was this perception that they were so expensive. And right, and so I found one, and it was it was in really good condition and had a case and everything. So, so well, I just I, went for it and got you a birthday present. I was so surprised, and I posted it to all my social media. I'm so excited, and and then my project manager came in like two days later. We were on a meeting. She goes, "Okay, so how many people hate you already?" <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, how many songs have you sung on the auto harp? <laughs> I'm like, that's not fair. Uh, nobody, because it's out for tuning. It, it is getting all prettied up, and it's going nice. to be awesome. And we are going to record a new intro and outro to the podcast <laughs> using my auto harp. Yes, and I think you should add a uh, <laughs> uh, an electric pickup to it. You know, like, they actually make those, by the way. Really? They make an electric pickup for it. It's like, it's like I think, 100 bucks or something. But but I think it would be awesome for you to do that if you had the electric pickup and then run it through a guitar distortion box. So you could do like heavy metal auto harp. Well, you know, I used to have the hair for that in the 80s. You know what? You so. could start a whole new a whole new trend. Right. <laughs> and then you must ask yourself, is this a trend that I want to start? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do I want to be the responsible party? Well, as I say to all my clients, they come to me with a, an idea and I say, why? I would love to take your money, but why? why? <laughs> so maybe I should apply the same thing. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome. I can't even tell you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank oh, you. I, I, I know you're going to find this hilarious, but I was driving home that day and literally there was just something inside me. I was just like, I am so happy. <laughs> And I was like, this is so interesting because people ask you all the time, you know, obviously I'm talking with entrepreneurs all the time about vision and happiness and what is really the meaning. I just, I just fired a massive, massive, massive client. And the only thing I can say to that is, listen, money is not everything, you know, and you know that you really believe it when you do what I did. And so all to say is that like when you really tune into yourself and really know what would really make you happy. And it's not these big things that people always think of. It's like, if I could vacation four times a year, or if I, you know, owned a Maserati or, you know, all these kinds of things. It is so many times the small thing that brings you so much joy. For me, it's things like sitting on the back porch with the fire going with my husband and a glass of wine. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. looking out, we've got beautiful property, just looking out into the woods and seeing the stars come up. My, my boys bringing out the telescope, seeing something cool that night or getting the sleeping bags and kind of early in the spring, sleeping on the, the deck of the boat. There, there are always these small little things that if you're not paying attention can pass you by. And I'm right. telling you, 
the auto heart fits in that. <laughs> Other people might think it's the same, but it just, it's going to bring me so much joy. I know, you know. Uh, you know, I, I fully expect when you are uh, in your 90s, <laughs> in the home, uh, in your little wheelchair, with uh, your auto harp on your lap and uh, singing culture club songs right, to all right. the people there. Come, 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 come. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, everybody! Everyone, that I'd be like, come on, everybody, sing! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! Now, I just need a pair of castanets. Oh, good lord, castanets! That's totally easy. You should just go out and get a couple pine cones and put together. (laughs) Pine cones. (laughs) I don't know why that came to me after it, but I was like, yeah, this could be. This could get really cool. You're, you're going to start a family band. This is going to be like the, the Von Trapp family. Well, you know, it, my husband and then Wes, the three of us, have right. a band, and it's called Grandpa. <laughs> and we do not charge anything to play at your party if you want us to come and play. It's just that we charge $200 to stop playing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh so Lord. now Grandpa has an auto harp player. There you go. See, we're we're... we're outfitting the band. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. You know, we just podcast for us, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like we just start talking and uh, people want to show up. They can. Oh my gosh, okay. Well, I did come today. I've been getting a lot of questions about content marketing and oh my gosh, Priscilla, can you just get clear about it? It's so confusing to people. I thought, let's tackle that today and Oh, that's a great Let's try problem. and get a little bit of, you know, as always what I try and do is demystify things that people try and make sound so lofty and so, you know, impossible to understand, but they're not impossible to understand, probably impossible to master, (laughs) you know, we're all on a journey towards, you know, mastering the things in our field. But as always, the thing that motivates me the most is like this just sense of despair that is put over VPs of marketing or owners or entrepreneurs of, I just don't know what I don't know. And I have this sneaking suspicion I'm already so far behind. And I love to just help people understand the jargon and the acronyms people are throwing at them. You must do this. You must do this. You know, and just go, wait, 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 wait a minute. Let's talk about what this is. And I know there's so much trending with inbound marketing um, or, you know, a better way to understand it might be content marketing. And I just want to really help people understand what is it? And what isn't it? Because as we move into this landscape, you know, so much is going towards content marketing. Right, right. And we've talked about that a lot about how, you know, the simple fact is that people or how you would see it, maybe your prospects are doing so much research on their own. In fact, they're probably doing 80 to 90 percent of buying decision process on their own before they even contact your company or talk with anybody or really, you know, interact with your product and things like that. And so that's why it's so important. So I know we want to talk about the auto harp the whole time. (laughs) Right. We could. And we could. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You and I could. Full show. Um, But alas, let's not. (laughs) For those people who are not as excited about the auto harp. Right. Let's talk about about (laughs) content marketing. Let's talk about that. So. So for the layman on the street, I mean, and I'll be that person. I'll go ahead and pose a question okay. as if I didn't know. So those people who don't and know will feel that. Yes, that you are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so so what exactly is content marketing? Well, you know, we we call it different things. Sometimes we will say inbound marketing. Sometimes right. we'll say uh, content marketing, sometimes digital marketing. And really, those are 
really three different things. It's just, you know, there are different um, journeys to go on depending on really what your company needs. And that's a lot of times where I start with an entrepreneur and say, hey, Priscilla, I, I really need SEO. Can you do SEO? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. How do you know you need SEO? You know, right. or they'll say, oh, Priscilla, we need a, you know, we did a Facebook campaign for blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, do you do those? I'm like, okay, well, I do these things, but well, why, who told you you needed to do that? Right. And so we really start with that idea and it, how I see a lot of things, you know, people are going to call things, you know, w- you know, different things and all these, you know, this lingo gets tossed around a lot. But, you know, like digital marketing, I would think is like the arena where like we're using Google AdWords or we're using maybe other banner ads or click throughs you know, pay-per-click in order to, you know, put a presence online. That also might be strategically getting your blog published on a different blog or maybe using services, which we can talk about a little bit later, like content syndication, Mm. you know, using maybe Gravity or Outbring or some of these other things to get your blogs actually published somewhere else. So digital marketing for me could be anything from really a sophisticated website, interactive pieces on your website, tools, uh, it could also be video, could be in, integrating, you know, YouTube and tutorials and so anything that happens in the digital space, right? Mm, okay. Then you have uh, content marketing, which means that you're going to actually write the content. You're going to pack that content with really great keywords that yes. people are looking for. And that's where the SEO piece comes in so heavily. Um, but really content marketing and hear me out on this, though it almost becomes a part of your company culture. Mm, now t- talk more about that. If you want to go the route of of content marketing, you have to get buy-in from salespeople to say, we first and foremost are helpful. Mm-hmm. And in the past, the more traditional role is a- the ABCs. What was that, Zig Ziglar? The oh, ABCs yes, right. Always be closing, right? Yep. Well, Jay Bear, who's a great social media, you know, uh, uh, guru, he says, you know, that this whole space now is ABH, always be helping. Mm, interesting. And so there's a shift. There's like a mindset, a paradigm shift about sales and about how you go to market with your company. Are you going saying, let me demonstrate features and benefits. This is what my slicer and dicer does. It does it this and it does it right. this. And I know I'm being facetious, but we do that with our products all the time, you know, and this and this and this. But people don't want features and benefits shoved down their throats anymore. Mm. It's not what they're looking to do. They're looking to solve their problems. Right. Now, your slicer dicer might solve their problem, but they don't care about slicer dicer. They care about their problem. Right. Exactly. They want to make the perfect uh, julienne potatoes. Right. They might want to say, well, I really am trying to get healthier and so it just turns out that, you know, in the morning I'm so rushed and I need to get healthy and I can't figure out how to fit all of these great recipes like real food into my diet. Mm. And then I discover that, hey, there's this great recipe for this hash that uses cauliflower instead of potatoes. But in order to make this easy and on Sunday for me to get all of these done so that on when I wake up on Wednesday, I just have that I have this little baggie in the freezer of this hash that I want to make a recipe of. I need the slicer dicer. Oh, okay. Slicer Dicer is just in some ways irrelevant, but it becomes a key tool to solving their problem. And that is the means to an end. I think that people typically have thought of let's go to market with this product and make sure they know that it's the best. When did we open? You know, uh, how many employees do we have? How much? Good God. I've even had to write copy for people of like how many square feet their facility is. 
Oh, wow. You know, you know th- these kinds of things are the founder story. And I- I'm not saying that these things aren't don't belong somewhere, but they're not the prominent thing anymore. They're not the thing that people care about. You have to in content marketing, you have to be thinking about why should they care? Right. Why, why on earth should they care? And I don't know that they should based on most of the copy that goes out on sales brochures and frankly, just some of the overwritten BS that people write. You know, we are award winning. I mean, it's just like right. I could write that standard copy, you know, in my sleep and nobody reads it anymore. And I think that sensitivity or that hypersensitivity to not reading, you know, just blah, 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 blah stuff right. anymore is where that's happening. So I kind of back to my point is that content, if you're going to go content marketing, there is a complete company buy-in, a shift of a paradigm that has to happen because what we're saying is we're going to take our product and put it into context to you, potential buyer, and help you make sense of your life Mm. and how this could better that. I mean, and don't you see it like what a movement of like, you know, life hacks. Oh, yeah. Good heavens. I mean, what did we do before life hacks? Yeah, it's like, how did we even survive? I don't know. I don't Man. Know. It, yeah, that is so true. And I, I wonder why. Well, I guess it, it maybe it harkens back to to the the way of thinking that you need to know about the people in the company rather than the product itself. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a, that's a name you can trust, that sort of uh, buy-in. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think we a lot of places get caught up in these really pushing who they are rather than how can I help you solve a problem? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and honestly, there's just not much tolerance for that anymore in the marketplace. Right. So that's that's a shift. And I know that's difficult. I, I have a very traditional client. They're new. They came on board in January mm-hmm. and I knew they were old school. There are five locations. There, it's all guys, literally. I, I have a the lot good old of boys club. manufacturing. Yeah, and for some reason, I'm able to pitch to that. I think it's because I'm such a just straight up truth teller. And those guys who have pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps and created these amazingly successful companies, they see in me just like this little glint in my eye and go. This girl's going to go toe-to-toe with me, and she's going to tell me right. the truth. And I'm like, listen, I love money. I'll take your money. I'll take long. But can you please, can we please have the conversation first? Why? <laughs> and I just say that in pitches. You know, you're like, okay. <laughs> you know, I, it, that takes them off guard. But to me, that's how I stay in alignment with the truth of who I am. Right. That's really what I'm thinking. And so that's what I say. <laughs> well, and I think that's what, I mean, you know, I've known you for forever, and that has always been a trait of yours. And I think that that's... That's such a refreshing change from the standard, you know, if you, if you think back, like the perception of marketing and advertising has always been sort of this sleazy sort of uh, moving and shaking, you know, hey, let's do lunch kind of vibe to it instead of like, here's the problem we're facing. Here's how I can help you. Mm-hmm. What what is it you want? And it's like those questions I think get answered somewhere in the long run. But to do it up front in a way that is clear, concise, and refreshing is almost kind of a new concept, I think. Yeah, and I think people take that sometimes and they took it to an extreme and kind of got arrogant with it. Well, I don't know if that can help you, you know. And it's like right. that's not true either. <laughs> you know, right. going the opposite is still being controlled by that. I'm not trying to manipulate someone. I'm trying to have a truthful conversation quicker right. <laughs> with people. Right. Yeah, and, it's cutting out all the fluff and getting right. to the meat of it. Well, as that relates to content marketing, I have to say right at the get-go, 
content marketing is not a quick fix. It's not how we used to do it in marketing, like a campaign, even you know, you think you do like a woo box, some kind of a contest or you did Facebook or you really did a lot. You know, I mean, I, I think about how much our business has changed. You know, five years ago, I was doing so much promotion on Facebook and that was where you'd have a campaign and then you you launch it. Now, you may relaunch it later, but there was definitely this one day, hey, we're launching this and then we're, we're we can optimize it. We can tweak it and this this kind of thing. That's the big thing about content marketing. It is not a quick fix. And so that truthful conversation is very important because people cannot come in expecting these quick results. I tell people all the time, hey, if you go with our full inbound marketing services, which is content marketing, digital services, you know, web, all these things connected in three months, you'll be like, what are you doing? Are you working for us? And it's six months. They'll be like, oh, my gosh, I get what you're doing. This is so amazing. And in a year, it's automated and they're getting, you know, automated lead generation and their website has become a tool and they have real sales funnels and they're just like, what? I mean, and they're seriously thinking, thanking themselves for doing this hard one year work. Yes. I literally, we, we can track it here at that six month mark. We always, I mean, literally every time my client goes, Oh, Hey, this is working. And we're like, Oh, you're at six months. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I literally just had it happen again with a client just the other day. And uh, this great, she's a liaison for us for um, all of their social media and, and their marketing. And I literally got an unsolicited email from her. I was out of town and I read through it and I just cracked up. I'm like, uh-huh, that's a six month conversation. You know, mm. and she's just like, oh my gosh, I, I listened to these other videos online and I did this. She did all this other work that was really kind of investigating what we were doing. And she just wrote back, she goes, all I can say is I get you now. Wow! <laughs> She's like, and let's keep going. This is so great. This is so important. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so, that's a great vindication. They trusted us before they understood that. But now to have the client come along and understand it is really beautiful. Right. But kind of where I was at about saying about content marketing, it's not a quick fix. And there was a time in marketing where we saw it as like, hey, like even on the web, let's launch this, say this webinar, let's just say. Okay. okay. So it's a campaign, right? We're going to launch this webinar that's, you know, my absolute top tips, um, how to actually do B2B on LinkedIn, which I teach that course. But anyway, uh, you know, so you could see it as a campaign, like this is a campaign, this is what happens, we're going to launch it. Maybe the next time we go around, we're going to evaluate and be like, let's do it better, let's optimize it, let's this. And, you know, that is not really happening in what we would call inbound marketing in the same way. That was content marketing. And now things are progressing in a way where with what we call or refer to as inbound marketing, this is constantly happening. There's no hard launch date per se. Of course, we, you know, we finally finished this draft of this thing and we put it into our, you know, into our repertoire. But, you know, if you look at the resources and the things, the campaigning that's going on, we're constantly churning them out. Like we'll maybe put a blog out that points to a download that creates a sales funnel, helps people self-select and goes through the process. Well, that may be running and we have already put all of the work into it, but maybe six months later, we might kind of retweak and, but it's still running and there's not really an end date to things anymore. Right. Because it's so interconnected to keywords, to ideal clients, all this other kind of stuff. So anyway, so that's to kind of say content marketing there. My biggest point I'd like for people to understand is it is a company culture shift. It's a re-understanding of what sales can be Mm. um, and what it should be. But it's not just like 
social media or not just campaigns or things like that. So to take that one step further, what we refer to as inbound marketing is where we do digital work and we do content marketing. But then for us, truly inbound, working on a true dashboard where all of your data has one nice little happy home, we start with the ideal client. Who do you really want to do business with? Please, can we stop spending money on the less than ideal client? Right, right. So we start with that ideal client that involves talking with a lot of current clients, doing some investigation, and then combining digital work, maybe some Google AdWords, maybe, you know, how the presence on the website is, mm-hmm. content marketing, you know, how, what are we going to talk about and everything. But it combines all those in a very, very, very connected way to keywords, mm-hmm. to competitors, to just a lot of metrics. And, you know, I hate using words like that, but I have to say <laughs> it at some point, really connecting it to real stuff and saying, this is why we're going to write a blog about blah, blah, blah. Right. right, right. And the way I find that out in inbound marketing is, for example, going into keyword tools and understanding that I'm searching specifically in that for things that have a low difficulty quotient, like it's not going to be very difficult to write about or or gain, not not necessarily just write about. I don't care if it's hard or easy to write about it. It's not according to the search engines. It's not going to be difficult to gain quick rising ranks if you use this particular keyword. So I'm right. looking for a low difficulty quotient, and I'm looking for a high search quotient. Meaning, let's say you know. Uh, I'm sure a million people a month search for the word diet online, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a great, I'm sure it's more than that. But anyway, um, you know, what is it that they're looking for? But we can kind of add in long tail keywords. And I don't mean to get boring to some people, but I just want them to understand that keywords or SEO or things like that themselves are not just a thing you do. What is the strategy to what you do with that? And inbound marketing is like this umbrella that takes into account digital marketing, content marketing, and then all of these other metrics that are so important to give you guidance and direction. So, for example, I'm very curious, how are people finding me? I look at those analytics every day. What are the what's the long tail keyword um, that people use to find me? And honestly, I'm not going to tell you some of the ones that actually <laughs> came up because I don't want my competitors to know them. But, sure. you know, there you might say I, I use that example all the time that I had that chocolatier that, you know, said, hey, I want to be to own, you know, chocolate covered strawberries. Oh, right, and, right, right, right. You know, somebody else was spending $2,500 a day on that long tail keyword. I'm like, you can't, I mean, unless you want to spend $2,600 a day with me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we can do it. But so that was going to be hard to get in the rankings, but then how many people are searching for those things? So I found something that was very low in difficulty um, and that was English toffee, but very high still in number of how many people are actually still using that word to search. Hmm. So in between that is the art of really a successful inbound marketing campaign. And that has to change every day. That doesn't change kind of old school the way we used to do it in campaigning, where campaigns had a beginning and had an end. Now, through inbound marketing, they have a life of their own. And they're and it's we are constantly learning. It's like what I like about the Dutch Reformed Church. Their tagline is always reforming. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I like that. And I always I like to think about that as a marketer. We shouldn't, you know, wait for the six month metric and decide, hmm, should we reform? Right. Uh, how about right. we reform next Tuesday? Because right. it's not working. <laughs> wow. 
So yeah, I think, or, or on, on the flip side, if it's really working, Hey, why don't we add a little bit of Google AdWord juice to this and see if it would really would work, you know? So, you know, there's always these decisions, like people try and come to me with real definite things like, okay, how long is this going to take? Or like, how much is it going to cost to do this thing? And these are not questions that can be answered in the kind of marketing environment that we're in at this point. But the biggest thing for me is I want to work with clients who want to make that paradigm shift and allow us the space to create helpful and interesting and educational content. Mm -hmm. Not because I just love to educate. I love to sell. I do love to sell. But to understand that that is how you now have to sell. Right. And you have to be sensitive to the fact that the prospects are really walking themselves through this process. And how do you come alongside them and and do that? Now, let me ask you this question. You had said something earlier in the conversation that put a bug in my ear. And it was that thing of really working with the client, because I think there's been this shift from where people think that it's like, you go in, you set up a website, and 10 minutes later, you're a multimillionaire. <laughs> how how has it been for you in working with clients to get them out of this, well, I call it the MTV mindset, where it's like, mm-hmm. there's a problem, it gets solved, and everybody's happy in an hour. You right. know what I mean? It's like that, that TV show sort of thing, where they want the quick fix, they want it to happen now, and if it doesn't happen in... 24 hours, you're not doing your job and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Is that something that you've run into or is, is it still sort of that old school, uh, thought of, well, slow and steady wins the race? So. <laughs> I wish I had more people who are willing to be slow and steady. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what, I do have some great clients who do understand that and and really see the value in it. But there are a few quick fixes or there there are things that we can do to boost the results a little bit. I kind of say like falsely boosting them. Maybe that's not the best word or, you know, um, unnaturally boosting the results. And I'm not saying that it's not, it's not good at all. That's Google, Google AdWords is the most unnatural way to boost results right away. If you want something broadcast around, get in and, and you know, the the winner in AdWords goes to the person who spends the longest creating the actual keywords, like all the parameters to the campaign correctly. Mm. Who are you trying to reach? What keywords are you looking for? What's their position? What's their affluency? What, I mean, if you really drill in and do that and do you really want a text ad or do you want to be seen on these networks or what, you know, there's so much to know about setting up a Google AdWord campaign. Um, on, on the other hand, I'd say for those DIYers, call the number and make them walk you through it. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, if you want to do it, you can. I'm just saying I don't suggest going out there and just creating it and walking away because it's not going to perform as well as, you know, really, really well carved out and cultivated, um, crafted, you know, ads. But there's a lot there. There's display only. There's text. There's video. There's, you know, images. There's just all kinds of things on Google AdWords. But that is a natural unnatural way to boost, you know, interest in your content right away. You can also lease an email list if you're if your buyer is an actual if you're business to consumer. Mm -hmm. You you can lease a list, you know, the federal was FCC does not allow you to to buy doesn't allow us to buy a list of people, but you can lease it, meaning that, you know, I can go borrow it from someone. They keep me blind to it. I can't see the list. Um, but I can send my offer and in my offer, then I generate a thing where in order to get my offer, they have to give me their email address. Now, now, they... now let me let me ask you this uh, on that whole thing about email advertising. Now, yeah. 
I don't know if maybe I am just immune to it or if I'm just tired of it, but it seems like it does, does email advertising really work? Because I know I go through my email box first thing in the morning mm-hmm. and I either throw away or spam at least, at least 50 to 75 uh, things a day that come to me in an email, like an email marketing thing. Mm-hmm. So is that still, would you say, is that still a viable method of advertising or, or g- give me, give me some, uh, give me a few bars on that. Well, just because other people do it poorly doesn't mean it's not a good thing to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> do it poorly, But yeah, there's still a lot of money to be made in email marketing. I just think that it doesn't work in the way that people think it does. And this is why you have experts who, who do it because a carefully crafted email campaign is worth its weight in gold. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. I'm working on three different ones that are massive, massive email campaigns. And it, what's interesting is we don't do a whole lot of email. That's not what we lead with at all. But for whatever reason right now, we've got three clients that are in a major least email list process. Man, the workflows and the meetings that we've had in order to establish whether this is the right word. And then also embedded in the process, we're doing A-B testing. So does this one work better than this one? And, you know, going forward. So mm. there's a lot to it. And it's not just as simple as sending something out. And certainly email marketing in terms of, okay, I'm going to give you my dreaded word, Oh, yeah, we send a a newsletter. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Exactly. You know, and that kind of goes back to that culture shift of, are you being helpful? I mean, people don't want to know, hey, you know, we started in this year, and this is how much square footage, and this is the founder story, and hey, meet our three new hires. Dude, I don't care what is going on in your office right now. I care about my life. And you know what? You know what people love to talk about? What? themselves yeah yeah truth (laughs) true story so you know can you talk to that prospective client as themselves and i have to think when you go to delete all of those you read the subject line right and that's how you knew you this was not for you right well there you go key is the best written subject line ever Mm. and something that would make you go "Mm, Wait, is this spam or should I? Oh, that's clever. Oh, that's funny. Okay, well, that fits me. And then the other thing is, is that are people just doing massive emails out and they haven't done any research, which is out there. And are they buying a list appropriately? Because you may be getting stuff. You know, I mean, I get I get emails for Viagra. You know, listen, (laughs) obviously you did not do your your you did not do your market research. So there's a lot of that, but leasing lists, buying lists, um, it can be helpful as long as you really, really know what your goals are. And those things have been really tested. Uh, Now, you can also, here's a genius move. Here's a freebie for all those DIYers. I said this to somebody in a meeting the other day, and they had no idea that this was possible. But Facebook, you know, look, Facebook ads are pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And I definitely tell people, look, you can get a lot of traction. Don't spend a lot of money, whatever you do, <laughs> you right, know. Right. And there's amazing A-B testing. I can load up six different photos and see which which photo is, is trending the best. And then I turn all the other ones off. Right. You know, so there's a lot of work to it. It's not, you know, that's... That's why I say people say to a business owner, oh, yeah, well, just just do a you don't need a marketer. You know, just do a Facebook campaign. OK, but, you know, we have a lot of expertise about how you do a, a right. successful Facebook you know, campaign. So there's a lot of nuance to it. 
But just for example, you can create an ad on Facebook and upload your email list to it, and it will send your ad only to that email list. You're not paying for anybody else but the email addresses you just uploaded. So that's like a remarketing tactic. And for example, if you've had a lot of people opt out of your email because it's been boring with a capital B. Right. And you wish you could get them back, but legally you can't because they've opted out. But you know their email address because at once upon a time they gave it to you, right? Well, you could remarket to them either through Google AdWords or market through, you know, Facebook, upload their email addresses. And it's not 100% because, for example, I use my little bird address, you know, for, you know, my regular stuff. But for, I may have given you that email address. But for Facebook, I log in with a different email address. It's not going to work for me because that that email address I gave you is not associated with my Facebook account. Mm. It has to be associated. But I'm telling you, the small amount of people that fall away because of that is still well worth it. And what you're doing is say you have 2000 people, you know, on your list. I'm only going to spend this $50 of my Facebook ad on the people on that list. And if there are people already know me and already have been interested in my stuff at some time, that is going to be a very successful remarketing campaign to get them to come back, take another offer, re-opt in. And now I can, now I've fixed my stuff and I quit writing stupid newsletters and now maybe they'll stay. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so there are, so when I kind of say, you know, we don't do quick fixes, but we are things that we can do to boost the, you know, results and get maybe a little bit of that feeling of quick fix as we go along really taking care of the long-term issues for clients. Mm, okay. All yeah. Right. Does that that help? makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. Totally yeah. does. But, you know, a lot of that comes down to, you know, analytics and what you're doing. But, you know, we've talked a lot about blogging recently and how that right. relates to SEO. So I won't reiterate all those kinds of things. But another little quick fix that I think helps people when they're just starting, they're staring at a blank page on their website of no blogs um, they can really gain a lot of quick traction, and we work with clients in order to garner guest blogs, guest bloggers, oh. people who are experts in particular, you know, areas and who have their own following and have just a little bit more gravitas on the Internet. That can really be helpful. And it also goes to my point of only write about what you know. Please don't write about things you don't know about. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, if the client doesn't know about maybe like just for example, I did a guest blog um, recently with um, my sales uh, coach, Brett Baker, um, out of Trust Point Management in Springfield, Missouri. And he is my go to guru for sales. He taught me how to do sales the way I do it. It's very successful. So when I wanted to write a blog about sales and I put like, I think it's a uh, four or five, you know, tips of what you need to do 10 minutes before a sales call. Hmm. Well, I just called him and said, Hey, will you write this article? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, would you be interested in? And that's good. It's also good for him because it's more exposure. He gets, now he gets more exposure to all my people. I'd love for them to go to him. He's amazing. Right. He's made me who I am. And I, you know, I, I, I appreciate that, but I'm going to let him as an expert talk about what he's good at. Right. And so I have an authoritative voice, you know, who's writing about that. And guest blogging can really help not only think about the practical side of it, you know, you're not having to do that writing, um, but also is it hitting on a subject or maybe a little different take that your, your you know, listeners would appreciate. Um, so that's a really good, that's another kind of quick fix thing that applies to blogging that you can think of. Look through strategic things that you need to talk about and who would be the best person 
to write about that. And that's a culture thing that we have here at Little Bird. You know, whenever you're doing a task, we've been talking a lot lately about, yeah, you know, you start doing something, then you think, wait a minute, am I the best person at Little Bird Marketing to be doing this task? And just causes you pause and think, no, there's someone else who's more of an authority on this. Let me have them do this. Mm. And I think if you could take that mindset and bring it over into blogging and your own copy for, you know, for your own website and your own sales pitches, a lot of times the wrong person writes that. Right. No, (laughs) that's very true. It's the marketing person who never sat down and talked to the salesperson. Yes. Or, or they're not someone who's ever actually tried to put their product together. <laughs> right, yes. Um, or they haven't listened to the salesperson give a sales pitch or a demonstration. See, so how can they write so, about such, it? These are such good things. It's like it's it's like they they when we talk about them, it's like oh that's that's simple that's that's like makes sense and it's but it's one of those things that common sense sometimes isn't all that common. Yeah, but there's the whole thing about common sense, right? When someone gives you a real aha and you say it to somebody, it sounds so – the best ahas sound so dumb. Right, right. Like, like we should really love each other. And you're like, uh-huh, okay, whatever, <laughs> Priscilla. But it's a Jerry Maguire moment. You know, it doesn't mean anything to you until it means something to you. Right. And I find that the most profound things, the most, you know, the most helpful things that people have ever taught me and given me an aha uh-huh, go, now I can't unknow that. And it's such a profound truth that you feel like you have that moment where you go, how did I ever not know that? Mm. Like, or how did that not come to the surface? Why did that not rise to the top of it? Maybe you knew it. You, like you, you know that people should only write about what they really know that get get the best person to write about it. Right. That's not, I'm not like rocking your world, but the fact that that's what I lead with, that's what's rocking your world as opposed Mm. to get it done. And that's the difference of do it yourself and having a marketing firm think through it because we have a process. We have a process for a reason and we have these rules of engagement because they work the best, not because we're arrogant or we just, you know, have to do it our way is because we know that results come out of really breaking these things down into common sense steps and sticking to the sticking to the process, no matter what's happening, even with the client kind of crying, quick fix, quick fix. (laughs) Wait a minute. We had this conversation. Let's stay there. You know, we've also had to do it ourselves. We have a really powerful sales funnel and sales automation and lead generating list, but we've had to learn these things ourselves and we are not immune. And, and sometimes we've caught ourselves where we've tried to take a shortcut and we're like, Oh, we'll see. We have to treat little bird marketing like a little bird marketing client because when we don't, it shows. Wow. So, (laughs) Anywho's, <laughs> I, I also have to ask people when you're, when you, like I just asked you about what did you open an email? There are a few of them you've opened. I yeah, know because you, you've bought some strange things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I really can't hide that fact. No. So you have opened some. And I guess the, you know, one of the big things I, I go back all the time with my funny Ruby rod, you know, from the fifth element, but who cares, right. <laughs> you know, is uh, that duality of, you know, I write boring copy. I only read amazing copy. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why does that exist? You know, the biggest rule for writing, in my opinion, on the web is don't be boring. Right. <laughs> Can you just do us all a favor and not be boring for crying out loud? Yes. I'm not saying don't be technical. You know, don't be in your industry. Don't be an expert. 
but could you just please not be boring when you don't need to be? And I guess the question to ask yourself is, would I get excited about reading this piece? Does this piece deliver anything to me that is helpful, new, nuanced, ahaing, just anything like that? And I think that why we don't apply our own standards to our own company writing and literature and the whole shebang, I I just don't get that. And I, I do think that it comes from the fact that, you know, entrepreneurs, people are leading massive companies and VPs of marketing, they're overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed about different things, but they are overwhelmed nonetheless. And so they hear they've got to do these things and they just start into them. Okay, but we just can't start into them. We have to really think them through and understand that I do not do the same type of an inbound marketing protocol for every client. It's different when you're B2B, when you're B2C. It's different if you have a product or if you have a service. There's just nuances that need to be thought through. And it's just taking that time to have those really great conversations with each client. And we we love to have those conversations. But I just feel like the very first conversation is, could you please walk away from the shame that you don't know everything about this so we can have a real conversation? Wow. That there, right there, that sentence could solve a multitude of problems. Well, if they don't, then the client is constantly trying to either get me to do something someone else told them they need to do. Right. Or they're trying to pretend they know more than they do. And so I may not share enough information and I find later, oh, I should have really explained it to them. But it it sounded to me like they knew exactly what they were talking about. So I just went on. Right. right. And so we don't we end up really missing each other. And, you know, sometimes we gauge things wrong, too. And then, you know, what I tell the client all the time is, listen, I am never going to know your industry like you do. I'm going to try and it's going to take time. And now I've worked with some clients for six years straight. Yeah, I know their industry. I write their blogs in my sleep, you know, and I still Mm -hmm. have to go. But is that interesting, Priscilla? (laughs) You know, I still have to put myself through the paces. But, you know, they really know their client and they have to be willing to provide the information for me, the insight the constant check on my strategy and really, yeah, Priscilla, but that's not really how it happens. Really, they come and they try it out and then this happens. And most people we get because of blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, that's helpful to me. Mm. Also giving me access to their current customers. We can talk about it because what the client thinks they know is not always the truth. Um, and so there's a real balance to be made. Yes, you're an expert on your industry or in, in, you know, in your business, but that's also, you've gotten to a point where you're hitting a wall. So why are you hitting a, a wall? Maybe, maybe the clients who got you to the success that you're at now are not the same type of clients that are going to get you to the next level. And we really have to go back and redefine who is using our product and how are they using it? This happens all the time where people make this product because of they're solving one problem. And then they find out that a whole nother group of people are using it to solve a completely different problem. I mean, that's drug companies 101, right? Yeah. Oh, we built that in order to kill cancer. It turns out it keeps people from having appendicitis. Right. 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 And so if you continue to market only to people who have cancer, you're going to miss the whole appendicitis market. And obviously that's the dumbest, most ridiculous scenario I just said, but it makes the point. Mm -hmm. So are you sure you know why people are using your product and how they are and what is motivating them to do it and and starting from there? So that's, you know, that's it's it's pretty interesting work and I like it. It is. It is. And that and you know, what's what's what I like about these conversations with you is the fact that you, 
are, are so passionate about it. And that shows that, that shows in the intensity in which you approach people and situations and looking for, you're kind of like the, 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 the badger that's digging around looking for uh-huh. something in the dirt, right? <laughs> I love that because that, it's really that want and desire to help your customers that really, really comes through. And I think that's, that's missing in so many places because so many places would just, like you said, sure, I'll take your money and not ask, you know, why first. Right. And right. I, I think that's great. Well, Priscilla, well, this is, this is the thing that is, is wonderful that, that you're willing to freely share these type of things with the listening audience. I mean, and it could be your competitors too. Well, <laughs> it's funny you say that because the top visitor on my website right now is still my uh, local competitor. Oh. 188 views in the last 30 days. So apparently I'm doing something right. Struck a nerve. Really? Well, <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so any who's. <laughs> oh, we could have a whole podcast just about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We probably should instead have a conversation offline about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, the last thing I'll say, and I hope this is helpful, is about analytics. And people get scared about data and analytics, all these stupid words that people start buzzing all over the place. But I guess I'm just trying to say is, like, what is the point of someone talking about analytics? It's that find out what's doing well. And I got to tell you, I've written some blogs that I'm so proud of. I'm like, oh, what a beautiful thing. And I post it. And I'm like, oh, I love you. That's so good. And literally one person looks at it, you know. (laughs) Okay, I'm exaggerating. But, you know, and then I'll have one that, like, off the cuff I did because somebody asked me a question. And so I just answered it. And it seems so dumb to me. And literally, it'll have like 380 views per day. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like that, I, that wasn't even my heart in there. You know, it's like, that's my stuff. I know, but it was not difficult. It wasn't this gut-wrenching experience. It's like, so I just have to say to, you know, whatever level you're at, you're, if you're working on content within your own place, don't always go on your intuition. I know there's gut, but the gut comes in where you say to yourself, do I find this interesting? Is this something, as as Letterman always said, is this something? And you have to be careful. I find this with a lot of small businesses. They tend to market to themselves. Even they do this in TV buying. Oh, well, I don't watch Blind Spot, so don't put me in that show. Mm. Like, well, maybe your competitors watch Blind Spot. I mean, where maybe your prospects watch right. Blind Spot. You know what I mean? It's right. this idea of please don't keep marketing to yourself. Get beyond it. Understand who you're marketing to. And what would you like to hear? And what would motivate you? And and you know, that actual, truly your ideal client, what do they look like? Where are their eyeballs? And start putting really great, helpful content where their eyeballs are. Right. With that, I'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, this is, I love these conversations that we have because it really does, it demystifies the entire marketing process. And it makes me feel, I mean, I like marketing. I'm a marketing enthusiast. I wouldn't say that I'm a marketing uh, genius, and I certainly haven't been working in that industry to the level that you have. And there's a lot of, of terms and a lot of things that I don't understand. But going through these processes and taking these lofty concepts and bringing it down to a place where I go, oh, okay, now I understand what that is. That actually makes me feel empowered. Right. And I think that's what other, I think that's what people need to know is, is that they can be empowered as well and not enter into a situation feeling like they're less than. 
Right. And this is actually a conversation I want to have. I swear, if I have to listen to another podcast of to improve your SEO, step one, <laughs> that, you know, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what a yawner. You know, it might be helpful. And Lord knows I have to bear through some of them. But, right. you know, people love to talk about their business. And I love to talk about people's business with them. I love to let them talk it out and hear all about it because just real brilliance comes from people just getting it off their chest. They they love to do that. I love to listen to it. I that's where I get the juice and you know we talked about that I'm the what do you call it the the what do we call it the dream whisperer. <laughs> oh, the dream whisperer. Yeah, I think that was it. What was it? Yeah, I love to hear people's dream and like just stoke it up and 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 go there. So, it, you know, this is a conversation I like to have. So, I want to have clients around me who want to talk like this and want to just be real. And yeah, we we are very competitive. We're very, you know, we love to be profit driven, but lead with the culture that you want to put out there and that includes your content. Well, thank you so much, Priscilla, for sitting down and having this type of conversation. And I've said this a million times before, but it is so helpful. And uh, I'm sure that our listeners would agree. In fact, listeners, if uh, if you have any questions or comments or if uh, these types of conversations have inspired you or maybe they've sparked more questions than they've given you answers. <laughs> but, you know, we want to hear from you and we would love to get your feedback on our podcast. So you can always leave us a note on our Facebook page, on the Little Bird website, or wherever you downloaded this podcast from. So for Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, this has been Dan Ledbetter along with Priscilla McKinney saying have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.